your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about self-esteem and sex drive, your libido, you know, and this goes across the board for men and women. You know, sexual self-esteem really, you know, in the bottom line, it influences almost every sexual decision you ever make from who you engage with to when you or whether you constrain yourself and how. However, you know, very little is known about sexual self-esteem and who has more of it and less of it. And and that's really important because sexual self-esteem and sexual satisfaction are also closely related. And there's a lot of studies out there that suggest that lower sexual self-esteem negatively impacts sexual gratification. There's other studies that, that the results of an experiment to test the effects of low, low sexual self-esteem showed that male participants uh, sexual arousal was significantly and negatively affected by poor sexual self-esteem. And, and so we have to wonder, what is this self-esteem stuff? What is this sexual self-esteem? It, well, it's a feeling of, of, of being capable of being involved in sexual practices with successful procedures and results. That sounds very scientific. But sexual self-esteem tends to differ with age and one's partner's sexual skills or interest. And it may vary for men and women. And it's that way across all cultures. And there's a lot of studies that also suggest that sexual self-esteem is negatively affected by a variety of life experiences. And so we have to look at this as something that we all need to examine. It's not just your age. And it includes child sexual abuse, child sexual victimization, physical disabilities, health issues. There's other studies that find that sexual self-esteem is positively associated with general self-esteem. And so more broadly, there's a lot of cultures out there that push us to restrict our thoughts about sexuality and to develop low sexual confidence. Others tie sexual self-esteem to ideals of beauty and attractiveness. In some religions, uh, they ask us not to have sex before we're married. And that can also create low sexual self-esteem because you have to wonder once you get the buildup to that big moment, uh, how are you going to perform? In turn, there's always the urge to chase after the ideals. When we don't succeed, we may experience it as a reflection of our lack of desirability and develops low self-worth. You know, and, and many think that married people have the highest level of sexual self-worth. After all, one person that they're with already knows them very well, and they likely don't feel threatened by that person. However, competition is low. In marriage, and ideals of beauty and attractiveness are fading over time. Moreover, a whole lot of cultures sanction and idolize marriages, and it not only makes sense that married people would feel better about themselves. However, there's studies that show that that married people actually have lower levels of sexual self-esteem than almost all other groups measured, and that would include never married single, never married individuals, never married uh, cohabitants, um, you know, sep separate and single, divorced and separated individuals have, who have a partner. 
that that's all the people that were were actually measured and the results are really striking in terms of sexual self-esteem the men who were divorced and separated living apart from a partner and never married cohabitating men were comparable to married men while only never married cohabitating women showed lower ratings than married women so the detailed and rich data of, of the, the, the studies show that even singles who had never been married tend to report higher levels of sexual self-esteem. And sexual self-esteem was a constructed variable in the studies composed of, the, of two items. I'm a very good sex partner, and in general, I can fulfill the sexual needs and desires of my partner very well. And, and th this item is a new development. And so, you know, as other people talk about sexual communication skills, we can only speculate about why married people show lower levels of sexual self-esteem than most groups. The possibility, and I would suggest this, is that self-esteem levels work in reverse. People with lower sexual self-esteem may be more likely to be married. They might be motivated in part by wanting to feel safer to cover for their lower sexual self-esteem. You know, and, and and there's other findings that suggest that singles and unmarried couples should not feel inferior, although society often makes them feel inferior. So if we think of a high sex drive, it's assumed to be part of the the the, the factory settings of every man. Our higher levels of t t testosterone, the male hormone, which is thought to switch on our sexual desire, makes us want more sex, often more than most women. Given the choice, we'd all do do it all the time. You know, come hell or high water, that's what a man would want. Or we step outside the realm of this anecdotal evidence and long-standing assumptions and look at the science and it tells a different story that one in five men experience a low sexual desire and they would rather almost n anything else but have sex and, and everyone is different age isn't always a factor and what's normal for your friends may not be normal for you and so a lot of people that have low sexual self-esteem do what's called comparative thinking and comparative thinking means I'm comparing myself to what I imagine this other person would be. I'm comparing about myself to the ideal of what I think my partner might want, and I'm just not getting there. You know, if you're going through a stressful time, that is a very hard time. That is a difficult thing. And when you have a family and when you're married, it is stressful. Finances, uh, emotional, you know, safety with your partner, emotional trust, emotional uh, uh, gratification with your work, feeling pressured, having more responsibilities. That causes stress and stress does not help our sex drive. Everyone's different. And, and we have to think about, and even for men who do have a naturally high libido, there's a whole range of factors that can affect the sex drive. So stress is one, and it can be caused by big life events like death of a loved one, work, money, anxiety, relationship issues, most of the building blocks of life as an adult, in fact. And so stress is more than just worry. It causes elevated levels of stress hormones like cortisol, which in turn lowers your testosterone levels and your sex drive. This also is closely tied to erectile dysfunction, which can create a vicious cycle. You're, you're stressed. You can't get hard for, uh, for, for sex once, which gives you the performance anxiety. And now it just keeps stacking because one time you fail, then the next time you fail because you keep predicting, catastrophizing a negative outcome. And that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when people 
don't perform unexpectedly, they wonder why. And they will analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze because they don't know how to control the problem. The problem is we have to be very natural, non-predictive. We have to try to enjoy the experience in the moment, not ahead of ourselves or not behind ourselves. Unfortunately, we are such control freaks that we have to forecast ahead of ourselves and prepare ourselves when all we have to do is be in the moment. And that's important. You know, if you're going through a stressful time, if you're finding uh, life in general is causing you a lot of anxiety, it is normal for your sex drive to subside. Your body's way of, of conserving resources. And if you think you're not coping and you don't know who to talk to, you know, you might want to contact a therapist. Also, another big, big, big ingredient is too much porn. Studies have shown that too much porn desensitizes the part of your brain which is responsible for sexual excitement. And in essence, you're stripping the gears of your complex arousal machinery with too much stimulation. You know, the other thing is people will include masturbation in their pornography. Well, guess what's going to lower your sex drive too? that. And yes, if you're going to objectify your partner or other people or whatever images you have in your mind or on your phone or on your computer or on your tablet or whatever you're using to do all these things, that image is is basically creating an object out of people. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to objectify people in their sexual experiences, you're going to shut down the part of your brain that gives you a sense of arousal. You know, if you find you're more interested in watching uh, uh, guys or girls on screen than you are seeing them in the real world, it may be time to do detox on your pornography is it addictive? Yes, but it's like smoking a cigarette. It has dopamine and serotonin in there, but the bottom line is once you blow it out, it's out of your body. So, you know, it 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 may be good for the moment, but then there's guilt and shame afterwards. Also, exercise is important for your health, but as with all things, moderation is a key. And if, if there's been studies that find a direct connection and correlation between intense physical training and reduced libido in men. Long endurance style sessions like marathon training or competitive cycling or overtraining, which is not giving yourself enough rest between sessions, actually put your body under stress. And one of the primary enemies of the libido is stress. So participants in the studies have reported not only having no energy for sex, but also losing interest altogether. You know, the solution is shorter. Higher intensity training, 45 minute sessions are ideal, which will push your boundaries, increase your fitness without putting your body into a survival mode. You know, depression, anxiety and medication also can cause low libido. And these are these three all go together because they're often related to each other. You know, if you think of depression, anxiety is on the other side of the coin. They come together. You're either depressed because you're anxious and feel like your life's out of control or you're anxious because you're depressed and can't get out of bed. And so, you know, anxiety causes wild fluctuations in hormones and energy levels and will drag your libido along the roller coaster behind it. Unfortunately, many of the medications used to treat mental health issues are inherently sex drive killers. You know, selective serotonin uptake inhibitors, which are called SSRIs like Prozac and Zoloft, increase another hormone, serotonin, which improves mood but also may lower your libido. Tricyclic antidepressants like uh, Elavil uh, can have a Elavil, sorry, can have a similar effect. And if you think about it, 
there's there's other things that that come into play when you're taking in the medications, which is how your body metabolizes. Everybody metabolizes different. Everybody has different side effects at different times. You know what? There's another thing that affects your libido, and that is light. Traditional light therapy affects the pineal gland in the brain, helping to regulate mood-affecting hormones. But there's studies that have been conducted that found that men who are exposed to a light box delivering 10,000 UV-filtered lux from a distance of one meter for half an hour each morning also experience greatly increased testosterone levels. Light box therapy. Here we live in, I live in Seattle. Oh, boy. I bet people are going crazy now. We'll be selling those things out left and right. You know, the ideal light may help boost sex drive isn't new. Studies on animals have suggested that exposing your torso and testes to direct sunlight increases sperm production significantly. But there's also some obvious problems. Sun damage, skin cancer public nudity, being arrested, catching some rays on your gonads, not a good thing. You want to do this outside of the public realm, please. You know, before you invest in a studio lighting, be aware that none of these studies are at the stage where exposure to light can be clinically recommended for low sex drive. Only one involving human subjects could do that. But researchers believe that light therapy may be in the future to offer some benefits for hormone regulating medication. The important thing to remember is that, it, that, that it's very normal, very normal for your sex drive to fluctuate throughout your life or even during the work week or even during the weekend. You know, it, it, if horny isn't your default setting, you're actually like the majority of men. You're not a minority. It's okay. But if you're concerned about the loss of a libido, then it may be a good idea to talk to your doctor or a therapist. There's lots of options to help you get back to the level you're comfortable with. And that is an important point. Sexual function is an important part of your health. It's a part of your well-being. It's a part of what you think of yourself. You know, there's studies that suggest gay men suffer from erectile dysfunction more often than heterosexual men. In addition, it's reported that low libido can affect up to one in five men. So we've said that earlier. Therefore, you know, it's relevant to look at the libido and see how we can improve our overall sexual function. You know, we have to understand naturally when we think of libido, we think of sexual arousal, sexual desire. And in the short, it's correct. However, there's more to libido. It's meaning. It's importance. How we can improve it. What's the theory, the science behind the libido? But the meaning of not being able to have erectile dysfunction or meaning of having that is an issue. That's because you have made a prediction. You have made a meaning out of an event. And that sadly can become like a virus and infect you and continue because you ruminate over it. You cannot logically make your libido come back. You have to do that emotionally. Emotional. Sex is an emotional event. Do not make logic of it. You can't just pop the thing up there. You have to have some kind of emotion involved in that. And that goes for men and women. While there's differing meanings behind libido, most common use to describe sexual drive is sexual activity. It's what instigates arousal, and it's most based form procreation for our species. Yes, we need to procreate, but that's why when we're younger, we have much higher sex drive. 
a much higher sex drive when you're younger is because you are biologically designed to have your children at a young age. You know, where does lust come from? You know, our overall sex drive and measure of lust is said to be dependent on a whole lot of factors. You know, biological, psychological, social, although there's other factors like medical conditions, medications, lifestyle, age, sexual development, health, you know, and then the biological parts of our sex drive refers to the hormonal changes and the levels. For men, the prominent hormone, sex hormone is testosterone. While testosterone isn't the only acting hormone, it's known in research that low testosterone does reduce low libido. And furthermore, uh, estradiol, which is a predominant form of estrogen, also has a role in male sexual function. There's evidence that which demonstrates that the hormone can also contribute to libido, erectile dysfunction, sperm health. And it's been discovered lately that estrogen receptors are found in all areas that relate to sexual function, such as your brain, your testes, your penis, and other organs. Interesting. However... Too much estradiol has been linked to erectile dysfunction, which high levels of estrogen and low levels of testosterone are killers. They, they will kill and they will destroy all libido. You know, it, it, Sigmund Freud, which was an Austrian neurologist who first hypothesized that, that libido signified an instinctual psychological or, or, or psychic energy associated with sexual urges and all of his constructed human activity. Libido has also been described as a life instinct and a drive. And of course, without libido, that sexual desire, procreation of our species may be halted and diminished. And in the day and age we're living in, we are seeing that men are losing their sex drive. Men are losing their position in the world, their position in society. And that's a conscious decision by our global economy. And so what's happening is what defines a male is not necessarily what defined a male in younger years. And so additional uh, results also show that there were there's social and cultural influences such as sexual beliefs, sexual conservative attitudes, notwithstanding negative automatic thoughts. And it said that these factors can be influenced by peers, the media, parents, according to, you know, uh, 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 different journals. And so parents tend to have an initial impact on sexual sexuality by teaching them con consciously and unconsciously about love and partnerships and kindness. Yet it's reported that the main source of sexual learning is more often from their peers, which this is the best source of information debated. What's, informa what's interesting about our sex drive and about learning from other kids about sexuality is that that makes us have to compare ourselves to other kids. And what's also interesting is kids exaggerate, especially in terms of sexuality. They have a tendency to brag. They have a tendency to talk like their fish was actually maybe five inches long, but they make it out to be a foot long. So that's how kids will talk about their sexuality. Unfortunately, we will compare ourselves to that and unfortunately, we come out on the bad side of it uh, oftentimes as men. Comparative thinking is never a good idea if you want to have a good sex drive. Never, ever, ever. Uh, you know, there's also many cases that we cannot control the medical illnesses that we experience. You know, especially we have to undergo surgery, you know, cancer, diabetes, thyroid, heart disease, 
you know, these medications will kill a sex drive that are used to treat those things, but you've got to stay alive. And so the bottom line is we have to understand that medications can have a negative affect on our sexual part of our life. Many medications are prescribed to reduce the impact of illness or disease that can harm your libido. You know, uh, some of these are, are anti-hypertensives, uh, uh, psychoactives, contraceptives, cancer treatments, benign protas- uh, pros- uh, uh, prosthetic uh, hyperplasia, which is your urinary tract, a benign, uh, uh, you know, uh, I- issues with your urinary tract can actually completely destroy your sex drive. So we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about lifestyle. We're going to talk about age, and we're going to go into more information about how to deal with a negative libido. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC CEO Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about your self-esteem and your sex drive, your libido, your current lifestyle can have a huge impact on your sexual function. Alcohol, recreational drugs, including tobacco, may impact your libido and overall sexual health. Also, being overweight, eating a poor diet, leading a sedentary lifestyle have all been identified as problematic for sexual function. Also, with age, 
age, on it's been observed that men have a higher libido when they go through puberty, particularly those who start puberty early and carry on through their 20s and sometimes in their 30s. While there's no normal libido level, a lack of sexual desire, which you may find is causing an issue, could be a sign of a low libido. And it's been stated that sexual well-being is a very important aspect of sexual health, and it's one of the most important factors in a person's sex life. Many people identify their persona, their self-esteem, based on their sexual performance. People that have higher sexual performance and to tend to think more about themselves, more of more positively about themselves. People that have the lower sex drive tend to not. And we've already mentioned that low libido can could also be the result of illness or disease, and that could that you know. That may be uh, yet to be diagnosed because I was not able to find a whole bunch of studies around that. All right. But people may only acknowledge and accept a reduction in their libido upon the complaint of a partner. And this could potentially fracture or pressure a relationship that may be also under strain. So if you aren't getting along, if you have no emotional connection, and if you have no sex, you're probably on your way to apathy, which is the opposite of love and often is the killer of all marriages. You know, while a positive sex drive is not an essential trait for life, it's important for a person's overall quality of life. And so we need to think of that in terms of taking it seriously. You know, without it, it causes a lot of personal distress, particularly if you're if you used to be highly active. And so, you know. Uh, the, 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 there's a misconception in here out there in the world that men are often sex obsessed and while sexual desire is typically higher in men than women with testosterone being the key player statistics basically show us an alternative it's important to note that while testosterone testosterone is an important factor regarding sexual function men actually are not thinking about sex all day long it isn't an all-end-all, be-all to thoughts, and that's what studies have shown. The particular thoughts of food and even sleep are closely followed by sexuality. And looking at what we've already talked about, the reasons of, of killing your libido, in some cases, they're, they're unavoidable, particularly if you're suffering from a disease or having to take certain medications. You know, if you're focused on I'm sick or I'm dying, that is not actually a very sexy place to be. But it also, if you're going to be a jerk to your partner, if you're going to be crotchety, if you're going to focus on your inability to perform and you're going to be agitated all the time and depressed and anxious about your sexuality, that's not sexy either. If you want to be sexy, you need to act sexy, and that means you need to be healthy. You need to take care of yourself. Nobody wants to kiss a smoker. Look, yuck, poo. Nobody wants to kiss a marijuana smoker, except for another marijuana smoker. You know, yuck. So the bottom line is, if you really want to get more desire in your life, you need to take care of yourself. Healthy. Eat healthy. Take medications and supplements that are good for you. Treat your depression and anxiety. You know, take care of your body. Put it in a, to make the goal to be healthy rather than to be ripped. You know, you want to feel more desire in your life. You want to have lust for your partner, but you need to have the stamina required to satisfy. Besides being overweight or obese, has been proven to reduce your libido. So, you know, some people live what's called a suicidal life. 
A suicidal life is where you are slowly killing yourself by taking drugs, alcohol, or whatever. You are slowly killing yourself over time. And you're, or maybe you're gaining weight. Maybe you're obsessed on food. Maybe you're sedentary. That is a suicidal life. And we have to understand that's not sexy. Nobody wants to watch you die, but that's what you're doing. And so sadly, we don't call it what it is, which is a suicidal life. You know, if you want to be have more life in general, more meaning in general, that means you have to step into life, not away from life. You know, there's a balance. You know, take care of yourself, work, enjoy, have meaningful moments with your partner, with your children, with your family, with your extended family, with your friends. You know, take care of your soul. Make sure that we're engaged in life. You know, the more that we do that, the more that we get from life. You know, there, there's also an exercise. There's connections with exercise that targets the reduction of fat mass, improving your cardio respiratory fitness, which increases your testosterone as a way to help reduce erectile dysfunction. It's important. Here's another one that's a kicker for killing off your libido. Sleep. You know, it may not come as a surprise, but sleep is vital for your good health. And it's reported that up to 70 million Americans have chronic sleep disorders. It's also recommended that adults require seven to eight hours of sleep per day. And, and there's evidence that shows that those who have trouble sleeping have disturbed sleep also suffer from a low libido, particularly untreated issues such as obstructive sleep apnea, um, dysfunction, and, and they suffer from not only the sleep apnea, but low libido. Uh, you know, testosterone is also an important role regarding sexual function. And there's all kinds of supplements that you could take to increase your testosterone with having to go get, instead of having to go get the shots from the doctor. You know, alcohol is one of the, the world's most used substances. While it can affect people in different ways, it's commonly used as a way to relax. And so reduce inhibitions, ultimately increase confidence. However, it's a depressant. Many times um, uh, drugs are a depressant, ultimately. Yes, they may take you up, may take you down, but they're a depressant. And so when they do that, basically what you're doing is repressing your sex drive. You know, high consumptions of alcohol is harmful. You know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people drink a lot of alcohol per week, and that consumption is going to destroy your sex drive. There's a, a common theme between alcohol dependency and sexual dysfunction, by the way. One of the most common factors being low sexual desire. And it's theorized that the effect of sexual dysfunction is due to alcohol being a depressant. You know, another key point is that alcohol consumption can reduce testosterone levels, further exacerbating the problem. And so many men now are able to overcome matters such as erectile dysfunction by modifying their lifestyle. There's also medications that can help us, like Viagra, that can help modify our lifestyle. You know, Viagra can be taken, and hopefully, if you take it at a lower dose, it will be effective enough to get you through to perform. But here's the deal. Nutrition is a key component of a healthy lifestyle. Being healthy and free of disease contributes to our overall sense of well-being, and it's a major 
positive influence on our lives. So if we eat the correct food, utilizing key nutrients can help reduce chronic diseases like cancer while reducing premature mortality in addition to lower uh, financial impact of Medicare. You know, if you have a healthier body into your older life, you have a better chance of getting insurance at a cheaper rate. So, you know, there's a whole lot of good reasons why nutrition is important to us. But that is, you know, your body composition contributes to the increased testosterone production if it is healthy. You know, uh, there, there's also some foods that have negative effect like soy that can have a negative effect on your sex drive. You know, many factors can place a strain on our relationships also. Low libido isn't any different. It could be your relationship that's the root cause of your libido issue, but it's probably your resentments for your partner, your resentments that are causing you to have a low sex drive. You may not have good communication, and you may not have sexual communication. You know, people that touch each other through the day, and I'm not talking about groping. I'm talking about an I love you touch. You know, those kind of things remind each other that you do love each other. They get into that two-foot space where our energy is, and they reinvigorate our desire to be sexual with each other. That, that means we're reminding each other that we belong together. Many people forget to do that. Your meta-communication without an agenda that is getting into that body space is the beginning of how we can regain our sex life with each other in a relationship. You know, being in a relationship over a long period, it makes a lot of staleness over familiarity. You know, it, it breeds a level of sexual dissatisfaction or a, a, a lack of sexual desire you know, if you no longer find that person attractive, well, you know, your job in a marriage is to find your partner attractive. That's the deal. You got to find it. You've got to find that way. It's not their problem. It is your problem. You have to find a way to make that person attractive. You know, you may have external problems that cause tension and arguments, which can breed contempt and combined with poor communication. So, you know, it, it, people that communicate you know, I'm going here, I'm going there, do you need anything? Why can't we do that during the day? A lot of people don't. You know, uh, uh, people talk about sexual communication. Why can't you talk when you're having sex? Why can't you talk about your wants and your needs? Why can't you discuss openly what you would like and not like? Not pressuring, not expectations, but what I would like, you know? That'd be nice if you guys would actually open up and talk to each other. That can be sexual. That can be sexy. Talking during sex can be sexy. You know, people suffering from low libido should learn how to be intimate with their partner without having sex. You know, it'd be nice for people to use fantasies, desires, and strategies to help each other. You know, there's other ways to have sexual contact than having intercourse. There's other ways to enjoy each other's bodies. And you all know what I'm talking about. And and so those pre-foreplay things and foreplay can be just as important as sexual intimacy itself. However, in many cases, low libido can be due to many lifestyle habits that you can make amends to. And there's a lot of evidence that low libido can be resolved or improved with the change in lifestyle. And I've seen that over and over and over and over in counseling. It includes more exercise, better nutrition, communication, adequate rest, controlling alcohol consumption. Can you do that? Can you do that? If you can, you got a better shot at getting that libido back. 
Low self-esteem can really take a toll on your emotional health and well-being. You know, it, it can lead to anxiety, which may trigger impotency issues like erectile dysfunction, and it also creates catastrophic thinking. So, you know, self-esteem is how we value and perceive ourselves. And so ultimately, you know, we want to, if we want to heal, if we want to have a good libido, if we want to have a good self-esteem, we have to like and value yourself as a person. Many people don't know how to love, they don't love, and they don't know how to love themselves. If you want to learn how to love yourself, learn how to say no to the things that hurt you. Learn how to say no to a suicidal life. That is important. If you value yourself as a person, then you are able to love. If you don't love yourself, it's really hard to know how to love someone else. You know, some people are able to make decisions and assert themselves. That's how we get our self-esteem. Character is based on decisions. The more decisions and the more commitment we make to our decisions, the better off our life becomes. However, people want to have the grass have have that have something and and then the grass is greener on the other side. No, you need to to make a choice and live in it, experience it, and have that experiential learning so that you can actually gain something from that experience and have a testimony to teach other people. Most of life is experiential learning, and we cannot be afraid of failure. We want to have experiences, and that includes your sex life. It is experiential. Just because it may have been a poorer experience once doesn't mean it's always going to be that. So the more that you experience sex and the more that you work on your sex life, the better your sex life becomes. You also want to recognize your strengths and your positives. You know, here's the other thing. People destroy their sex their sex life and their marriage because they're kids. They put their kids in their bed. They allow their kids to stay in the bed. They have no place to be intimate. They have no place to be by themselves. And therefore, they lose touch with each other. And that is a killer of people's sex life in their marriage and their libido. You know, you also want to, if you want to have a good self-esteem, you want to feel able to try new and difficult things. And that, it's not just try. It's commit to doing it. The harder things you do in life, the, the easier your life becomes. The more you do hard in life, the more you become an extra to be sought. And that person to be sought will succeed in their life if they apply that knowledge. You can't just learn something. You need to apply the knowledge. And the more you learn to apply it, the better your life becomes. You also want to show kindness to yourself. Fill your own tank before you start filling everybody else's. You know, there's so many people out there that go, I'm a giver. Well, if you're a giver, that means you run out of gas because you don't give to yourself. It's not great to be a giver. Why don't you have balance? That's a much better thing to have in your life. All right, we're going to talk more about self-esteem and our sex drive and how to get that thing back. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, 
a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about self-esteem and our sex drive. You know, is there any topic more complicated than sex? At one level, sex is pretty simple. It's a set of erotically charged behaviors. And another level, sex is basically an opening to our deepest human longings, like connection, like escape, pleasure, validation, power. You know, we live in a kind of a largely sex negative world. Most of us have spent years internalizing the message about sex is bad, dirty, wrong, sinful, dangerous. For those of us who use have sexual identities, gender expression, skin bodies are systematically marginalized in our culture. So the message that you are wrong as you are can feel downright suffocating. And these toxic messages meet up with the inescapable truth that sex evokes profound vulnerability physical, psychological nakedness, and a result of being in a a, a storm of a struggle of life. But, you know, today we aren't just bombarded with shaming and silencing messages about sex, but we're also absorbed in a set of well-meaning messages and growing us to be confident outside and inside the bedroom about our sexuality. We are told to break free sexually, to be sex positive, liberated, free and bold. This opposing set of messages is a new variation and, and, and the risk of internalizing the liberation at all costs message is eerily similar to the risk of internalizing uh, the puritanical message. So what we have to do is we have to find a balance between it all. You know, the disconnection from self uh, is not a good thing. Sex becomes a performance, an attempt to offload shame by proving your comfort with sexual, with sexual expression or your freedom of your prowess. You know, if you're craving more confidence, you have to begin with self-compassion. And, and our ultimate intimate relationships are really 
a powerful message for growth and healing if we're committed to practicing relational self-awareness. Relational self-awareness is an ongoing, curious, and compassionate relationship with ourselves that becomes the foundation of our thriving, intimate partnership. And so we have to understand that what's become more abundantly clear is that our relational self-awareness must include cultivating sexual self-awareness. Now, many people have identified that with transgender and, and, and gender you know, bi and gender, gender neutral and all kinds of labels that they're putting on themselves. And there's quite a revolution going on currently uh, where people are talking about pronouns and him and her and he and she and uh, they and them and all that kind of craziness. But, you know, it's, it's really important for us to not be quiet about our sexual dialogues. Important for us to talk about our sex life, but we should be talking about it leading just up to puber puberty and not when kids are in the second grade through kindergarten. That's crazy, but that's what our culture is doing these days. So every time that we take a new exploration into a new set of thoughts, we go way overboard and then we have to pull back. So hopefully we'll find a balance in this. You know, we want to have an embrace of our own sexuality, whatever that may be, whatever your attraction may be. We want to experience our sexuality from the inside out and understand that that's what we need. You know, quieting the noise so that we can cultivate a deep, close, nuanced understanding of our erotic self. Each of us deserves to feel at home in our skin, able to express our wants and needs in the bedroom and out. Each of us deserves an experience of erotic confidence that's authentic rather than performative. And that's why a journey towards erotic confidence must be fueled by fierce self-compassion. So did you hear that term? Erotic confidence. That is where people lose out. That is where people get stale. That is where people do the same thing over and over and over in the bedroom and outside the bedroom from sexual perspective. We need to understand that we have an erotic self and that erotic self has to learn how to be embellished. But to do that, we have to be safe and we need to be with a partner that is safe with us. And that means our partner, if you're in a committed relationship, you need to work towards making that relationship safe sexually, emotionally. People that are not safe emotionally oftentimes have low libido and low sexual performance simply because they don't trust each other. They don't trust each other emotionally, so how can they trust each other to have sex? Self-kindness is relating to ourselves the way we would relate to a dear friend. Uh, common humanity, understanding that we are far from alone in our struggles and insecurities, and there are lots of people who have the kind of erotic thoughts that we have. Also, mindfulness, cultivating a present moment awareness without judgment. That's the deal, without judgment. You see, but people put judgment in there. Self-compassion is about being on your own team. It's an ongoing commitment to forgiving yourself for not having figured it all out, for being imperfect, for being human, and being a prerequisite for great sex. That means that we are designed to be sexual creatures. Now, if you really think about it, sex 
was not protected until we hit uh, basically overall as a majority of society it wasn't protected until about the 60s. Yes, we had rubbers and all kinds of things like that, but they didn't always work and they weren't always comfortable. But what I'm trying to get to is after the sexual revolution, people started using sex as a play thing. They started using sex as a daily thing, something they do all the time because it became, you know, you didn't have to have a baby to do that. If you had some kind of preventative, you could have uh, you could be prevent being pregnant. The bottom line, though, is people that did that made recreational sex a part of marriage and a part of life. And recreational sex, I'm sorry, isn't what we were necessarily built for. However, in this day and age, we expect it. And the problem is, is that by expecting it, we're coming to find that we do not have oftentimes the performance to be able to maintain it. You know, real life sex is a far cry from what we see in movies and porn. Real life lovers are far from perfect. Self-compassion helps us meet the moments with humor and playfulness so that the mistakes become stuff of intimacy and embarrassment, connection, not despair. You know, the degree which we can reckon with our imperfection is the degree which we can take risks in our sex life to ask for what we want, to ask for what we would prefer to lose ourselves in a moment, to savor the experience of giving and receiving pleasure. Self-compassion helps us show up authentically so that we can create intimacy with another person. Real erotic confidence is a willingness to allow yourself to be seen in full humanity. Yes, it comes from your thoughts about yourself that make your libido stronger. Your sexual self changes as you move through the chapters of your life. So it's never too late to become more self-compassionate and therefore more sexually confident. You know, notice your self-talk. You know, we carry our, our inner dialogue all day long. Start to pay attention to how you talk to yourself when you're having sex. Are you self-critical about your body, your smells, your feels? Do you pressure yourself to keep an erection? Do you pressure yourself to have an orgasm quickly or slowly or quietly or loudly? These performance anxieties, while understandable, are the antithesis to self-compassion. That's performance, not self-compassion. We need self-compassion. Practicing, noticing when these self-critical thoughts creep in, the moment you say to yourself, I'm having those critical thoughts again, you put some much-needed space between yourself and the thought. Practicing and replacing the critical voice with a gentler one, like everything's okay, take your time, you're safe. You know, you want to bring mindfulness into your sex life. That means being in that moment only. You want to enlist people that, that can be your teammate, like your partner, which can help you. Talk to them about your sex. Talk to all type of fears that you have. Talk about your desire. Talk about your wanting to have a sexual arousal. Needing lubrication, orgasms, erectile dysfunction, you know, less pain. You know, talk to your partner about sex grows trust. And building trust makes it easier to talk about sex. And so, you know, carrying around at least some amount of sexual shame is an inevitable byproduct of growing up in a culture where we don't talk about sex. So many of us need to practice shifting away from sexual shame and towards wholeheartedness and holistic acceptance of our sexuality. 
understanding that compassion towards your beautiful, evolving, imperfect sexual self creates a foundation for experiencing joy and connection. And we all want that. Stress causes so many problems. You know, it, the cortisol levels go up, as we talked about earlier. You know, it, it makes us fatter. It makes our sexual desire go down. If you're going to live a life where you're worried about everything and if you're a perfectionist especially, you're going to have a tough time because perfectionists always have to evaluate everything to the degree of perfection. However, if you think about perfection, we live life on a river and then they, the perfectionists, have to live life on a creek, on a creek with a bunch of rocks. And a lot of things happen in perfectionism, especially when you apply it to your sex life, especially when you apply it to your relationships. Perfection is not meant to be in a relationship. It is meant to say, I will do as good as what I need to do. I'll do as much as I need to do. That's important. That's where we stay in the river. But if you're going to go to perfect, no, 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 never a good idea. Here's another thing. Your orgasm will happen from the same part of your brain that you cry. You hold your breath to cry. You hold your breath to have an orgasm. Both release uh, hormones, both release a sense of freedom, both release dopamine and serotonin. And so the bottom line is the people that control their breathing when they're having sex have a better shot at having an orgasm simply because they're holding their breath and they're engineering that part of their brain to do its job. You know, there's a lot of breathing techniques that can help you in your sexual desires and help you get to that arousal. You know, it's really important to understand that there's plenty of ways to get arousal. There's fantasizing, there's sexting, there's watching porn, reading erotic stories, talking erotically to each other, masturbating, having your partner kiss and touch you without ex the expectation of sex, listening to erotic, enjoying music to feel sexual, watching movies, sexual toys. You know, we have so many ways to come at this problem. You know, a few ways to get, improve your sleep habits, which sets the stage for a better, healthier life, is limiting your screen time before bed, limiting caffeine, going to bed at a consistent time, making exercise important, and limit your alcohol and sleep in a cool, dark room. And when you're in a relationship and you're experiencing issues with your partner, it's likely those problems will spill over into the bedroom. And one or both of you become using that as your battleground, as a place to make the message. I'm not going to have sex with you until you fix this. You know, that's the that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. You know, if you're harboring resentment, dealing with a partner who doesn't want to engage, struggling with conflict, recovering from hurt and trauma, it's unlikely you're going to want spontaneous sex. It's best to work on those issues first and then sweep them under the rug. If you're people that avoid conflict, you're going to avoid sex. If you don't want to get pregnant or are worried about sexual transmitted infections, use barrier methods like condoms and hormonal birth control. You know, some people experience pain with sex. You know, nobody wants to experience pain with sex. That's horrible, you know, but you want to go to your doctor and figure out how you can deal with that. If you regularly have issues getting or maintaining erections and controlling your orgasms, you might be worried about sex being pleasurable for you or your partner. So make an appointment with a urologist and see what can happen. Even your basic general practitioner can help you with that. There's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed about regarding sex or seeking therapy to help your sex life. It's a way to examine the sources of distress. 
And if there's a psychological cause, then simply try to boost your libido probably won't help. You need to address the fundamental issue at hand. What is your negative dialogue about yourself? Discovering that may be journaling, journaling about your sex life, journaling about what you would want. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of things that you could do to set the stage for a much better libido. Getting an adequate amount of, of nutrients is one good way. Here's some boosters, citrus fruits, uh, whole grains, fresh vegetables, nuts, seafood, foods that could contribute to a low sex drive is saturated fats like uh, fried food or uh, polyunsaturated fats like that found in vegetable oil or white flour and sugar, high sodium items. Those kind of things create a lot of problems with libido and people don't understand how much that affects us. If you wanna boost your sex drive, there's ginseng and maca and ginkgo biloba, biloba, sorry. And then there's also horny goat weed, yes. And it's very amazing that when we take care of our body, a lot of good things happen. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We have a Facebook page. You can reach out to us there. Also a place to donate on our program on the links portion of our webpage at Voice America. Now remember, there are no hard and fast rules for libido. Also, impotence is nature's way of giving you no hard feelings. Also, if pregnancy is God's will, so is impotence. <laughs> There's also a new libido job for men that is a cross between a construction worker and an electrician. It's called an erectician. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 